0: Welcome to BlitzCast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt.
1: Welcome to another episode of BlitzCast. Ed and Alex are are back in the house, and we've got good news, Ed. We're going to have a college football season. The ACC came out, and they basically said we're going to have 10 conference games plus one game. And then Notre Dame is going to be included in that. Even though they're not in the conference, they're going to play basically an ACC schedule as well. And then SEC also came out and said they were going to have conference games. So I'm pretty confident that the rest of the conferences are going to follow suit. And I'm talking about the big conferences. So, you know, the last couple of weeks, you and I have been hoping that college football season will be here with us in in 2020 and here it is
0: yeah i mean this is this is just excellent news i mean i'm just i'm just so happy that we're going to have some semblance of a college football season you know it's going to be a little shorter but i think it's a to be honest with you when i think about scenarios what i was looking at about a week ago i think this is best case scenario
1: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, I'm I'm sure the other big conferences will follow suit. I realize that a few FCS conferences have already canceled their season, like the the CEA conference and you know, James Madison and Elon and Villanova are looking to go ahead with the schedule and they're probably gonna try to schedule other FCS games and they're scrambling right now. But there are a few teams in that conference basically that are Trying to go ahead with the, with the season, but this is this is excellent news. You know, obviously we're we're moving forward, and I'm sure there're going to be a few hiccups along the way. Ed, it's it's not without that. I mean, we we've, we've seen what has happened with the Florida Marlins this past week that they've canceled their games because the coronavirus outbreak that happened within that organization, and I'm sure these things will happen during the college football season, I mean that's, these are kids, uh, college kids that, that go to parties, that that have families, that have girlfriends, that have friends, and it's impossible to keep them in their room and make sure they, they don't do anything outside of football and outside of school. but. This is this is certainly uh, great news.
0: Yeah, I, I I would say this is great news, and I think I think you know I mean I mean even if we could see like a little tournament between you know the Power Five conferences, you know maybe if it's just the Power Five that play this year, and we kind of see like you know who's the best of the Power Five. I mean I still I still think that's a, that's that's about as good as you can ask for.
1: No, that's probably what I was expecting. I mean, when the Big Ten announced it a while back and said that they were going to have conference games and they were going to cancel everything else, that's probably where college football was going to move towards. And that's what the rest of the conference has basically adopted. But the first player officially opted out of the college football season. His name is Caleb Farley. He's a Virginia Tech cornerback. He had a great year in 2019. He's got size, you know, he's, he's a very long corner, he's got good speed, had a great sophomore year. Well, he decided to protect himself because he's projected to be a, a first-round draft pick. And therefore, he was, he was the first player to announce that he was going to skip the 2020 season. And I'm sure what he's going to do is he's prepare for the 2021 NFL draft.
0: Yeah, I mean, I understand his his side of the story where he he just wants to protect himself from uh, getting injured. You know, if he if he's put out that good tape and you know he's he's first round quality and you know pretty much all he can do is lose. And so you know if he, I mean, let's say he gets the coronavirus and you know you know it it messes up his season and then then it kind of brings some questions into his draft stock. So I I give him credit. I think he's playing. I think he's playing his cards right. Well, I'm sure he's
1: not the last player to opt out of the season. I'm sure there are going to be some other high-profile underclassmen or maybe even seniors that decide to put their interest ahead of the, the college football season to protect their families and to protect themselves in the situation. As far as opting out, I mean, we see what has happened in the NFL, Ed. Plenty of players are already opting out for different reasons, whether it's health related interest or whether you know their girlfriend or wife is pregnant and they want to protect the young kids. but there are a few star players uh, that have already decided to to skip the season Star Lu from the Buffalo Bills, Chicago Bears Eddie Goldman, the defensive tackle. And then we've got Devin Funches, the wide receiver of the Green Bay Packers. Damian Williams, the running back, the Super Bowl winning running back from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I saw a lot of Patriot players on the list. Dante Hightower, the linebacker. Patrick Chung, the, the safety. Nate Solder was another big name, the left tackle of the New York Giants. So the NFL players are... So in their contract i mean they can opt out and i'm sure a few more names are gonna follow suit uh, this isn't this isn't the final list there there's still there's still a while to there's still over a month uh to to get into the season obviously training camps just started they just opened up and you know they're following their protocol out there. This is—it's not a surprise, Ed. Just based on everything that's going on around. And, this I, and
0: I think there should be a narrative that should be not forgotten in all this is that yeah, these guys, you know, are are, are top class athletes and great athletes, but. You know, some of these guys have health problems. I mean, it's possible to be a great athlete and also have some health problems, and so um, you know that some of these people will be in the high risk category for COVID, and so I mean that that's a that's an exact reason why it might be better for them to to um, to, to opt out. I mean, I I kind of always think of like you know Ryan Clark. It was like he can never play at altitude, you know, because he had a sickle cell trait. Um, you know and, and and basically he had to have his spleen removed so I mean you know there you do have to consider the health of these players and it's not always it's not always you know it, it could be the things that affect their long-term health you know as opposed to as as opposed to their short-term health so um you know i I, I think it's good that the NFL is giving them the opportunity and I I still think a lot of these teams are going to be able to feel feel good teams and I mean the good news is that it's not so many players that you know, we we are not even really seeing an NFL. We're seeing just like a, you know, a, a whole new league. And I mean, it's going to be different this year. I mean, it's going to be different in the sense that you know you, you may see like five or six guys down a week you know, you know, a couple of them because they have the coronavirus and, and then, and then it could be something where there could be an outbreak like the Marlins and, you know, half your team's down and you might have to cancel a game. So there's going to be a lot of stories. It's going to be, it's going to be a wacky, it's going to be a wacky season. You know, it's not going to be as smooth as it's been in the past, but that's, that's, that's the NFL. It's unpredictable. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, they're going to keep it interesting for us.
1: Big news coming out of the NFL is the trade. That happened a while ago, but we're talking about it here at the end of this week. Jamal Adams, the disgruntled safety of the Jets uh, that was so passionate. He wanted to win, but in the end, he was stirring things up in order to get out of New York. I mean, he just got so fed up with the whole situation that... He brought up some stuff about Adam Gase not being the right head coach, not being a good leader. He has had some choice words for the GM, Joe Douglas. It was apparent that Jamal Adams was had an agenda to get out of New York. He was just tired of it. And the Seattle Seahawks pulled the plug. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks uh, basically traded their first-round pick, a third-round pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, and they also gave up a 2022 first-round pick, and Bradley McDougall, who is a serviceable safety, uh, in exchange for Jamal Adams, and a fourth-round pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. Who won the trade, Ed? Tell me. I mean, obviously the Seahawks are trying to recapture... What they had a while back with that secondary when they had Richard Sherman and they had those two great safeties and Cam Chancellor and, and Earl Thomas would actually earn them the Super Bowl title. But can they recapture it by bringing in Jamal Adams, and do you think that they gave up too much?
0: Pick? See, I, I I really look at this trade as a win-win for both sides. I mean, I'd love to see this as a football fan where both sides really get something that they need. I mean, on the Jets' side of things, they've, they've accumulated a lot of draft picks, and so... What they what they've basically put Adam Gase in is a position where, you know, he he, he is being gassed to, you know, build the team and you know, after after these, you know, a couple of drafts, you know, the Jets are gonna know the Jets ownership are gonna know if Adam Gase is the right guy for the job. You know, a lot of people are saying no, but I think the the ownership is a little bit more hopeful than than the fans and so I I think I think this is this is a win for the for the uh, for the Jets in that sense. I mean, they unload a disgruntled player. I mean, you don't want disgruntled players on your team. You know, you want team players, you want players who want to be there. And yeah, Jamal Adams can play on the field. And so that's why he's going to be valuable to the Seahawks. I also think this is a win for the Seahawks in the sense that they gave up a couple first-round picks. But to be honest with you, if you look at the track record of the Seattle Seahawks in their first round picks, they don't get sexy first round picks. I mean, they aren't they aren't getting the you know like the 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 top guys, you know, the Derrick Browns and the you know just just the sexy names, you know, the top quarterbacks. I mean, they're and they have a quarterback. So really, I mean, I I think it's actually kind of smart by the Seahawks. I mean, a lot of their great drafts have been you know kind of finding these measurables guys who you know probably lasts in the 3rd or 4th round. I mean, that's how that's how they've been able to make themselves a contender. Um, you know, in acquiring players and stuff like that. So they do things a little differently than most teams. So I actually think this is a great fit for both sides and I think this trade I I, I actually think both teams won here.
1: I don't know. The the last couple of trades I guess that that had a lot of draft picks in return were like Khalil Mack, remember Khalil Mack going from the the Raiders to the, the Chicago Bears, I mean, that was one. OBJ, the Giants unloading OBJ and letting him get to the Browns. It's kind of been a mixed bag, to be honest with you. Khalil Mack has been a great player. OBJ has had a lot of injuries, so that, that trade hasn't worked out for the Browns just yet. So it's a mixed bag. I guess it's for me, it's like a two-part question to you uh, that I pose. Obviously, the Seahawks are signaling that they're a Super Bowl type of contender if they're giving up two first-round picks in the future. They're basically saying, we're mortgaging our future because Pete Carroll is already in his late 60s. He's not going to coach forever, even though he's really energetic and doesn't look like he's 67. But the Seahawks are basically saying, we're a Super Bowl-bound team, and we are going to chase that. Are they a Super Bowl-bound team? And do you think they actually can win the division by bringing in Jamal Adams? Because the NFC West division is is loaded. I mean, the 49ers coming off a Super Bowl appearance. The Arizona Cardinals have gotten better. They've got Kyle, Kyler Murray in his second year. They brought in DeAndre Hopkins. They still have Larry Fitzgerald. So that division is really, really tough. And then you have the Rams that a lot of people believe will bounce back. So can they, forget about being in the Super Bowl, can they win this division?
0: Well, I I mean, at some point you you got to make yourself competitive and I, I mean you know the, the there's a window for Russell Wilson too. I mean you know you you, you really want to win when you can when you have a franchise quarterback like Russell Wilson. So I, I I totally respect the fact that you know Pete Carroll's been in the league for a long time coaching for a lot of time. I think I think you know what go go for the Super Bowl. Get yourself a I mean you're getting yourself a star safety and you know what I mean the the the, the Seahawks have had Earl Thomas and so. Um, you know that, that, that's kind of a function of you know that's kind of a mark of their team is you know great safety play and I mean this is this is a guy this is a strong safety who's going to change the game for for the for the Seattle Seahawks and so I, I, I like I like them um, you know I think I think they at least come out as a wild card team you know maybe this is the division that two wild card teams come out of.
1: I hope i'm wrong like i said i love jamal adams he was a sixth overall pick in the 2017 nfl draft he was named to his second pro bowl he made first team all pro uh this year this past year i mean he had a great year 75 tackles seven pass deflections one interception which he took for a touchdown 6.5 sacks I mean, he's one of the most talented safeties in this league, and Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator of the Jets, certainly unleashed him. He was able to use him in a variety of roles, and I'm sure that's what the Seahawks are going to do as well because Jamal Adams is really versatile. He can do a number of things he can blitz, he can cover, he's a good run defender, and uh, being paired up with Quandre Diggs, who went to his first Pro Bowl last year, at free safety when he was traded from the Detroit Lions. Ken Norton and you know Pete Carroll know how to use safeties. They know how to coach those secondaries. So it certainly makes Seattle a lot more dangerous. But I want to remind people, that trade that their counterparts did, the Los Angeles Rams, by trading two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey, that trade didn't really put the Rams over the top. I mean, they went all in, but it's not like Ramsey made them better. He's a great corner, but he didn't make them better. And I'm just hoping that it works out for the Seahawks a little bit better because by making this trade, you're basically saying, hey, with Russell Wilson there, with bringing in Jamal Adams, we're going all in. We're going to win this division. We're a Super Bowl contender. And I'm not sure the Seahawks are there yet with all the talent that they they have on the team. Jadavian Clowney isn't coming back. I mean, how is their front four out there? I, I don't think it's that good. Do they have enough weapons for Russell Wilson? I'm not sure about that. So it's kind of an interesting move. They're going all in, but do they actually believe that Jamal Adams puts them over the top? I don't think so. So in my opinion, the Jets got the better end of this deal because whoever is making those picks in the future, and it's probably going to be Joe Douglas, he's certainly going to, you know, they're going to have possibly a top 10 pick next year. Um, they're gonna have two of them. You always have. You want to have more draft picks for the future because you have more of an opportunity to hit on those first round picks and bring in difference makers. And I think the Jets realize that Jamal Adams is a great player, but he's not the type of player that's gonna put them over the top because they're they're so far away from being a Super Bowl contender. But we'll see. We'll see. Certainly, the Seahawks know how to. Get the most out of those star safeties, and they put them in those positions. I mean, we saw what type of career Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas had, and you know you can make a case that Earl Thomas should be in the Hall of Fame one day. And if it wasn't for the injuries, Cam Chancellor would be there as well. So uh, we'll see. It's it's going to be an interesting match. And again, Jamal Adams is a great player. I'm just not sure he puts the Seahawks over the top where they want to go, and that's that's the Super Bowl. Uh, let's uh, get to the college football previews. Um, this week we've got the ACC conference and then we've got the AAC conference. Don't get those two confused. All right? We've got the ACC and then we've got the American Athletic conference. Let's start with the ACC. Ed? I think it's a foregone conclusion, right, that the Clemson is the best team uh, with all the pieces that they have. Even though Justin Ross, the 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 great receiver coming into the season, a junior is going to miss the entire year because of the neck surgery, but they still have so many weapons and it seems like Dabo Sweeney is is here to stay for the long haul. Am I yeah, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, they're going to have Trevor Lawrence Who's going to be running the passing game, and then they got Travis Etienne, who's coming back, and you know could could really help them in the in the in the in the running game. So I mean, I I really like the offensive firepower, and uh, you know the whole defensive line is returning for this for this defense. Um, they're probably going to be favored in every game they play. Uh, they're, they're I mean, the other side to it too is there is no close second in the ACC. There is nobody. There is nobody who's really competing. I mean, you know, I think when they designed this conference, they thought a team like Florida State, you know, would be a better a better challenge to uh, the 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 Clemson Tigers winning every year. But at this point, at this point, really, it's just a one horse race, and so yeah, I, I it's a, it's a foregone conclusion. And now now it makes it easier for the t- Clemson Tigers, you know, to get to the playoffs. I mean, if they can if they can just play well in the playoffs, they'll be national champs.
1: You know what's coming, Ed. Another wacky prediction by Alex, right? I mean, I've I've been making some, and two weeks ago I picked Penn State uh, to beat Ohio State in the Big Ten. Last week I picked the Florida Gators over the Alabama Crimson Tide. So I, I got to make another wacky prediction here. I mean, that's you know it gets wackier every week, right? So who who do you think I'm gonna pick, Ed? I mean, wh- which direction do you think I'm gonna go? I'm. I, I certainly want Clemson to go down. You know, I've I've gotten sick of them already. I mean, I'm just I'm hoping that another team will will capture the ACC title. But I'll give it up. You know, I, I, I realize Clemson is the best team. I'm not going to get too wacky with this prediction. It's just uh, I think it's a foregone conclusion if everybody stays healthy and if their main weapons, especially on offense, Lawrence and ETN, stay healthy. I don't think anybody can compete with this team right now. So Clemson is the best team. I'm, I'm not going to get crazy with this. How about a team on the rise? And who is uh, who is the team in the ACC that you think is um, it's going to be a lot better this year?
0: I, I like this Virginia Tech Hokies team. Um, you know they got Hendon Hooker at quarterback who's returning and. They also got a guy named Braxton Burmester who could, you know, kind of provide some insurance in case Hendon Hooker goes down. Um, their whole offensive line is returning. Ten of eleven starters are returning on their defense. Um, their, quarter, their coach Justin Fuente. I mean, he's recruited most of their team now, um, and I, I really think they could be the the other the other team in the ACC championship game, as long as they beat North Carolina. I mean, North Carolina is going to be good too. Um, but I think Virginia Tech, North Carolina. I mean, if 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 there's if there's a couple teams that are competing to be in that ACC championship game, and you know it's changed every year for the past like six or seven years. So I think of, of the teams that's that's going to win that division, I think it's going to be Virginia, Virginia Tech.
1: Yeah, the Hokies are an interesting team. I mean, 10 starters from a defense that finished fifth in the ACC and fewest points allowed per game, less than 25 points per game. And they've got, yeah, they've got a lot of weapons. I realize that Bud Foster is gone, the the great defensive coordinator that has been there for so long. But I think they're building something there, even though, like I said, Caleb Farley is going to miss the season. Uh, The great cornerback, most likely the best cornerback in that conference. Um, Virginia Tech is really an interesting team, but I'll go with UNC. A couple of weeks ago, obviously, we did a preview college football season and uh, Stephen Lassen from Athlon Sports, I mean, he was really high on UNC, and I was as well. I just think that they have a really good quarterback in Sam Howell, who is a sophomore. He had a great freshman year last year. I think he's going to grow. They've got Daz Newsom, Diami Brown on the outside, the, the two wide receivers. They've got some weapons at running back as well, like Michael Carter, Javante Williams. Um, I think the defense is going to be interesting. Can the defense be better? But they do have some pieces. I think their secondary and their linebackers are really good. I just think they have to answer some questions on the D-line with Jason Strobridge moving on to the NFL. So I'm going to go with UNC. I'm going to make it interesting. I think they're the ones that are... That are going to play against Clemson in the ACC championship game, and they went seven and six last year uh, with uh, obviously Mack Brown on the sidelines in his first year back, for second time around. So I'll go with UNC here. Uh, how about a team that will is bound to disappoint in 2020? You know, I,
0: I think the Virginia Cavaliers. Um, I think this might be a down year for them. Uh, Bryce Perkins is gone. Um, And he'll be—he'll have to be replaced by Brennan Armstrong. Um, Their receiving core is very inexperienced. Um, They have to play Clemson on the road. Um, You know, just being the winners of the Coastal Division in 2019, they will kind of have a target on them. You know, there's a lot of teams that are equal, but you know, they're gonna—you know—teams are gonna be going after Virginia because they played in the ACC Championship Game last year. Um, and, and this is a team that had trouble on the road in 2019. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I think Virginia Cavaliers are, are kind of the team that are going to sink a little bit this year.
1: I'll second that. Uh, I also put down Virginia. I, I love what Bronco Mendenhall has, has built out there with the Cavaliers. He's done an incredible job when he took over, but I just think that they lose too many weapons on offense I like their safeties. I like their linebackers. But if we're talking about an ACC schedule that's only going to be about conference games, just like the the rest of the conferences, on September 26th, they have to go to Clemson. So that will be the opening game. And then they have a home game against North North Carolina the following week on October 3rd. That's going to be tough. That's really a tough start for the Virginia Cavaliers. So if they go 0-2, I think it will be tough for them to, to bounce back and, and even have a winning season because you have to have a quarterback in there, and they're just not settled in there. And without spring practice, without you know having that team in there, I think the Virginia Cavaliers are going to struggle this year. Let's start with Clemson. Obviously, Clemson is the top dog. They've got a few guys, uh, especially at running back and a quarterback. So let's start there. Okay,
0: um... Well, I mean, the most obvious name that comes to mind is Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's got a strong arm, good zip on his passes. He's a willing runner. Um, you know, I think I think he's a fairly accurate quarterback. I think he air mills it sometimes. But I, I don't know if that's going to be a huge issue. I mean, you know, a few incompletions here and there. I mean, you expect that of every quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's going to be the number one pick in the 21, 21, 2021 draft. Um, there's the obvious Travis Etienne who, you know, could have come out a year ago. Um, great speed, quick burst, um, you know, had some trouble with Ohio State's defensive line in the college football playoff. Um, I think he's very good catching out of the backfield, capable of throwing on gadget plays. Uh, And I think he hits the whole heart. So, um, Travis Etienne's a guy I want to keep an eye on, um. And then there's a defensive back, which you probably haven't heard as much about, and his name is Darion Kendrick. Um, I, I, I like the way he sheds blocks and runs support. Um, he does need to be quicker in coverage. I think he kind of spaces too much in coverage. But he does look good in press coverage. I mean, he can really stay with the man You know, when you ask him to you know, kind of get in his face and play press. Um, and I also like his physicality. I think he has decent contact at the line of scrimmage. So, um, so a guy like... Uh,
1: yeah, Clemson. I'm glad you mentioned Kendrick because obviously Trayvon Mullen uh, went to the Oakland Raiders, had a successful rookie season. A.J. Terrell who was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons in the first round. So Clemson has been getting those high draft picks at in the secondary. And obviously the next one is Darian Kendrick. I also want to mention left tackle Jackson Carman. Uh, not the most technically sound guy, but this guy is huge. This guy's a mam- mammoth left tackle, and he's hard to miss when he's blocking the blind side for Trevor Lawrence. So keep an eye on him. He had an up-and-down season, but I think he'll get better in 2020. Um, Florida State, Ed. Florida State is has the prospects there. I mean, when you look at it, they have one on the offensive side. They got a couple of guys on the defensive side. So let's let's focus on the Seminoles because Mike Norvell has a few pieces to work with.
0: Well, the the most obvious name that comes to mind when you think of Florida State is Marvin Wilson, the defensive tackle. Um, you know, he he can be violent with his hands in pass rush. Um, I think he's a little bit slow off the line, but I think he has a strong core that he can use in pass rush, and I think that wins battles for him. I think he wins his battles in the run game too. Um, you know, maybe he needs to get off blocks a little bit better. But, you know, so definitely definitely a guy who, you know, you're going to talk about day one, day, day two kind of guy.
1: Well, they've got a couple of guys in the secondary as well. They've got a corner and a safety. All right, Asante Samuel Jr., uh, his father played in the NFL. And obviously Asante Samuel is a junior. He's a bit undersized, but he's a very quick corner that I believe is one of the best in the ACC. Also, Hamza Nazaraldine. Always oh, a tough last name to, to say. Uh, he got injured at the end of the season, suffered an ACL tear. This guy played linebacker, but last year he played safety. This guy's huge. He has great speed, athleticism. Made a lot of plays for FSU last year. So keep an eye on Dean because he's going to be one of the top safeties in the nation once he comes back. And Tamorian Terry, um, got to mention him. He's a wide receiver. He's about 6'4". Now he's about 2'10" he got up there got stronger he's got four three speed he's got very good athleticism he's kind of i hate comparing wide receivers to randy moss because there's only one randy moss out there but i would say he's kind of a poor man's randy moss because gets a lot of balls he can make those leaping catches he can run by most corners out there just He needs to eliminate those drops and he needs to become a more consistent route runner if those things come together i wouldn't put it past him that terry could be the first wide receiver drafted in the 2021 nfl draft just a physical specimen out there Um, anybody else that we should keep an eye on from the acc conference you know there's a there's a guy by the name of gregory rousseau uh a redshirt sophomore from miami
0: yeah, I, I mean, I think he needs better instincts against the run, but I mean, um, you know, you put him in a in a four three in Miami system, um, you know, I think he can line up at the nose in pass rushing situations. I, I'm not as I'm not as high on him as uh, others are. I think he I think he's a very average first step. I think he's a very average pass rusher, um, but this is a guy who's getting some hype, so. I mean, that's why we're talking about him.
1: Well, hey, you, you were down on Chase Young a little bit compared to the rest of the people coming into uh, and the And the then 2019 I watched the senior tape, season. and I...
0: I jumped on the bandwagon. Junior tape. But, yeah,
1: I mean, that's it's not surprising. Like I said, you see some flashes with Rousseau as well. He's an athlete. He has good speed. He doesn't have the quick first step that Chase Young had, and he's not the, the big-time athlete, but he's got good size, and he can add more weight to his frame. And he needs to get better just in terms of his hand usage. I think if he gets better with his hands. And remember, last year he was a redshirt freshman. So it was his first time starting in a big-time atmosphere in those big games in the ACC. And he still put together like 15 sacks. So that's quite impressive um, out there as, as far as I'm concerned. A couple of guys I wanted to mention from Miami as well. Quincy Roche, another defensive end, outside linebacker, I would say, for the next level. But he plays defensive end. He played defensive end at Temple. He transferred to Miami. So Rousseau and Roche... That's going to be a dangerous tandem for the Miami Hurricanes on defense for for Manny Diaz to use. And Braven Jordan, the tight end. A lot of people talk about Kyle Pitts, Pat Fryermuth. Jordan might not have the length, but he's a very good athlete. He's got great speed. And there's a lot to work on. There's there's a lot of upside when it comes to Brevin Jordan. So that's another player I wanted to mention from Miami. Anybody else that we should keep an eye on from the ACC conference? Yeah, there,
0: there's a guy I really like. His name is Tutu Atwell. He's a Louisville Cardinal. Um, you know, he's good hands, great speed, and he really cuts well as a route runner. Um, he's he's probably going to be a slot guy. But, you know, one of the things I like about him is his hustle. So this isn't a guy, you know, who's going to be taken in the first round, but this is a guy who you draft and you build good teams with.
1: You know, John Ross ran a four-two-two, and that's still the record at the scouting combine. Henry Ruggs came close last year with the 4 2 2 Atwell can, can run. I mean, he's a burner. He's in the Tyreek Hill uh, type of, you know, class out there. I mean, he can break that record. At next year's scouting combine, if he comes out, he's going to be a junior, and I, I just think Atwell is is a really interesting guy. I mean, he just he's a burner, he's a deep threat, and the way he cuts out there, it's it, it's amazing. Um, I remember watching the film. It was Louisville against uh, Syracuse, and there's a safety by the name of Andre Sisco, who is highly regarded, and by me as well. I mean he's. He's a guy that had like seven picks as a freshman. He's got really good ball skills. He's very good in pass coverage. Even though he needs to get better as, as a tackler, as a run defender. He misses too many tackles out there. But Tutu out well just he scored, I think, two touchdowns against him when they were matched up, and he just ran away from him. And Cisco has like he he's rumored to run in the high four threes low four fours, and Atwell was just running away from him when he was running a couple of post routes. And that was just, uh, I looked at him, and I'm like, Atwell is a legitimate 4-2 guy. So, uh, yeah, he's skinny, but he led the ACC in receiving yards and touchdowns as a sophomore. He's undersized, he's small, but that speed, I mean, he's a burner. Um, you know, I wanted to mention... I'm kind of surprised, you know, we're, we're going through the ACC conference, but we haven't mentioned this player. I wanted to mention Carlos Basham Jr. Is, his nickname is Boogeyman. He plays in a 3-4 defense at Wake Forest. He's a 5 technique, but this guy knows how to shed blocks. He begin, makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. He gets into the backfield. He's got good size. To me, he's the top defensive lineman. Well, I'm not gonna say like with the underclassmen, but I'll say uh, as a senior, he's the by far the top senior defensive lineman, not only in the ACC but in the entire nation. So I just I wanted to mention him. Basham just if you turn on the film, this guy makes a ton of plays. Um, North Carolina has got a couple of wide receivers and Diami Brown. He's the taller guy. Uh, and then they got Daz Newsom, the slot receiver, who is, who's more quick. He's got good speed. He just needs to be more consistent with his hands. Uh, there are two brothers in the ACC. One is Shaz Surratt, a linebacker from North Carolina. He was a quarterback before. He switched to linebacker last year. He had a great year. I mean, for, for being a raw guy, this guy knew what he was doing. He's really instinctive. Shaz Surratt is one of the best linebackers in the nation. And then we've got his brother, Sage Surratt. He's a wide receiver for Wake Forest. He's he's a bigger receiver. He wins in those contested situations. He's got really sure-handed hand uh, sure sure he's a sure-handed receiver. And uh, that that's another guy I wanted to mention. The Surratt brothers are are going to make some noise in the 2021 NFL Draft. We talked about Andre Cisco from Syracuse, the safety, Caleb Farley has been mentioned a couple of times uh, during this show, the cornerback from Virginia Tech. I wanted to mention that Charles Snowden, the defensive end slash linebacker from Virginia, Paris Ford, the safety from Pitt, and a defensive tackle, Jalen Twyman, um, also a uh, undersized pit uh, defensive tackle, but you know they had another one by the name of Aaron Donald, and he's turned out pretty well. Twyman made a lot of plays last year, and another pit center, Jimmy Morrissey. I love this guy. He really excels in pass protection. Not the most athletic guy, but he's my top interior offensive line. Uh, as far as seniors go, and this guy is definitely going to be at the Senior Bowl. So keep an eye on Jimmy Morrissey as well. Anybody else you want to mention? I mean, we ran through a list of about 20 guys
0: here. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to put my two cents in about uh, Jalen Twyman. Um, I think he's a decent pass rusher. I think he gets off blocks well. You know, I think he has good pad level technique. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a few weaknesses. I think he needs to hold the point of attack better in the run game. I think he could be a little more violent with his hands, but...
1: Well, not only is he going to get drafted, but I think he's going to be there on day two. I'm not saying he's going to be like a first-round guy, but based on his film, especially last year, this guy should go on day two, especially with teams kind of being more flexible now. I mean, they look at undersized guy, and they're like, huh. I mean, this guy can get after the quarterback. That That's all we need, so... They're they're more open to to drafting these guys higher. Let's move on to the AAC conference. It's a conference that's been dominated by UCF in recent years. I mean, a team that has gone undefeated before. Uh, it seems like it doesn't matter whether they have Scott Frost as their head coach, who's at Nebraska now, or Josh Heupel, who was you know with uh, who was a quarterback at Oklahoma back in the day. So is, is UCF still the best team in this conference, or you think that Cincinnati or Memphis can, can challenge UCF this
0: year? I'm actually on the Memphis bandwagon. Um, I like Brady White, the quarterback, um, and he'll be returning for his senior year. Um, more than half of their offensive line will be returning. Um, their offense has a great three-headed monster. Um, you know, they got White, who I mentioned. Gainwell as their running back and Coxie is their wide receiver and i mean coxie is an nfl prospect um you know their defense will have a good back seven um their toughest game is cincinnati on the road but they beat them the year before so i'm actually i'm actually going to go with memphis this year
1: interesting mike norvell has moved on to florida state but you're a believer that i mean they've built something and they have the players and they will continue this is actually a tough one at the top i mean you can mention memphis cincinnati under you know they've won two they've had two straight seasons one where they've won 11 games it's a lot of games for a Cincinnati team, but I'm going to go with UCF. Uh, I just think the Knights have won at least 10 games in each of the last three years. They have a high-powered offense, the one that they've had for a while. Dylan Gabriel is primed to be even better uh, during his sophomore campaign. They've got some guys at right, wide receiver like Trey Nixon and Marlon Williams. They've got Otis Anderson and Greg McRae at running back. Uh, I just think they have some. they have three starters back on the offensive line. Uh, Randy Shannon uh, is is their defensive coordinator. I think the team is going to be better, especially in the secondary. I love their secondary. They they have a few players that are legitimately going to be high round picks, and I think UCF once again will will take this division, uh, this conference as as far as I'm concerned. How about um, the most surprising team in this division? I,
0: I like the Navy Midshipmen. Um... Their coach, uh, Ken Nui Matalolo, um, he's been around for more than a decade. So, you know, he's had that team for a while. Um, They really turned it around last year, and I think they could keep it going in 2020. Um, I thought Perry Olsen, who's going to be the quarterback, um, did well as a backup against Notre Dame when called upon. Uh, They have a lot of seniors on their offensive line. Um, You know, one of the things that their coach said was, you know their team culture has changed a lot, and that should help them in 2020. So, I'm I'm on the I'm on the Navy midshipman bangwagon.
1: A surprise team for me, I'm gonna go with Tulsa. I think Tulsa is gonna be one of those teams that that's gonna take a step up this year. Uh, they won four games last year, but uh, they out of those eight defeats that they had, five came by 12 points or less. I think that Philip Montgomery squad is going to push for a bowl game in, in 2020. They've got a quarterback in Zach Smith. Um, just you know, he leads a group they, the offense averaged over 26 points a game. And they've got Shamari Brooks at running back. They've got Kalen Stokes at, at wide receiver. I do have concerns about their defense, but I, I think they're going to be better than what they were last year. And just I think that four and eight squad. Uh, could could finish with the six and four record and finally get into the ball game. So I think Tulsa is one of those teams that that is that is on the rise currently. How about a disappointing team for you?
0: I I, I like the I, well I don't like them, but I, I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say UCF Knights will be a disappointing team. Um, they have a new coach in Josh Heupel. Um, I think expectations are too high for their offense. Um, they won't have a spring practice to get ready with a new coach um you know they 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 play they play kind of a cupcake schedule in the AAC and then people always say oh they should be in the college football playoff. I don't believe that narrative um i I honestly think Memphis and Cincinnati are just better teams and uh you know Dylan Gabriel had a good freshman year, but he'll only be a sophomore so. I, I just, you know, he's still a young quarterback. I just, I, just, I just don't think UCF is going to be as good as everyone's saying, including you.
1: All right, fair enough. Uh, my disappointing team is Navy. Uh, Navy last year won a lot of games, and I, I just think it's the same narrative. Uh, you have to have a quarterback, and Malcolm Perry was, was a huge piece of what the the navy did the, the past couple of years i mean perry had over two thousand rushing yards last year that's going to be tough to replace even if you have a system in place and you get a new sophomore quarterback in perry Olson, malcolm perry was a god at navy uh, the past couple of years and they do have a good offensive line but i just don't think they're going to be able to replicate what they did last year um uh, the defense was better and you think that you know th- their defense is going to be okay this year they've got you know a linebacker um they've got a couple of really good cornerbacks out there but i just think that the offense is where navy is going to struggle this year and malcolm perry was just he was it he was he was the main man that that made that offense go and they, did, they don't have them this year, and uh, that that's going to be a tough blow. So that's that's why I'm going with Navy a little bit here. Uh, let's go with the top prospects in, in this conference, Ed. Who are, like, top three, you know, top five guys that everybody should be uh, keeping an eye well, there's on? There's
0: one guy I really like that I, I, I have to, you know, go through this podcast and mention. It's this kid Patrick Johnson from Tulane. Um, you know, he's played more of the, the sort of the 4-3 uh, defensive end, but you know what? He drops into coverage really well. I think he's a decent enough tackler. Um, I think he has excellent core power for a pass rusher his size. This is a guy who can get to the quarterback, and he's a very good pass rusher. I think he can help you and run support. I like him as a three-four outside linebacker. I think he would fit perfectly in that role in the NFL. And you know what? This isn't this isn't a high-profile name, but this is a guy that I'm going to target on draft day.
1: Yeah, Patrick Johnson is definitely a good name. He plays that Leo role. or at least he played it last year. And um, yeah, he's he's definitely a candidate out there for a three-four team because I don't think he can. I don't think he's big enough for as a four-three defensive end. Who else? I mean, you mentioned that you're a big fan of Brady White, and we all know that you and I gushed over Shane Bouchelle as well. So there are a couple of quarterbacks to to like in this conference.
0: Yeah, you know i mean i like them as college quarterbacks i, I to be honest with you I, I actually think this conference is more built for other positions you know i like i actually like the receivers better in this division you know you got guys like demonte coxie you know from memphis and then you got reggie Robertson from smu um so i actually i, I i'm i'm more i'm more privy to the to the receivers in this conference more than the quarterbacks
1: well, I mean, Buchello is, is going to be at the senior bowl. I'm I'm almost confident of that. And I think White is is going to get a shot at the NFLPA bowl or the Shrine game. So I'm not as I'm not as down on those guys because I think Buchello has has a lot of staying power in my opinion and he's going to get up there. Uh, let's stay with the wide receivers since you mentioned Coxie and you mentioned Robertson. Marcus Stevens is another name to know, a Houston wide receiver. He's very fast, he's a slot receiver who battled injuries early on in his career, but the last couple of years, I mean, he's put together really good seasons. Kaelin Stokes, uh, Tulsa wide receiver. He's also a, he's a slot guy, but he's also a kick and, and punt returner, a very dangerous guy. So that's a couple of wide receivers. Kylan Granson, you know, when Robertson went down last year for SMU, Granson stepped up. He's a tight end. He's more of an H-back, I guess. He's about 6'2", 6'3", but he's got really good speed. And you know he's a weapon in the passing game. Last year SMU didn't miss a beat at the end of the season because Granson became the go-to guy with Robertson going down, even with Proche on the field. But uh, Granson was was all over the field, and so that that's another name I wanted to mention. I also wanted to mention Desmond Ritter since you're high on Cincinnati. Uh, you know, obviously you feel like Cincinnati, Memphis. You know, they're they're better than. The, ucf desmond ritter is a guy that makes them go he's he's a junior quarterback uh he's 6'4 215 220 he's a dual threat guy he's got athleticism he's got a very strong arm a lot of people are excited about him i think he needs to become more consistent he needs to become more accurate which is the the number one thing for an nfl quarterback but there's a lot of buzz about him like on draft community on twitter I'm not one of them because I just think he needs to take a step up. But when you've won 11 games back to back, and that's what Ritter has done, uh, there's definitely a lot of excitement. I mean, this guy's a winner, and uh, I wanted to mention him as well. The physical tools are really intriguing for him. It might be the you know up there with with Shane Bouchel. Anybody else? I mean, you mentioned Patrick Johnson. as um, anybody else we should keep an eye on 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 the defensive side yeah, of the ball,
0: um, There's this kid Richie Grant from uh, UCF. Um, he's got pretty decent instincts. Um, maybe needs to be a little bit better tackle, but I like him in run support. I think he's a good change of direction. Um, yeah, I, I just think I think I think he's a guy who can play free safety in the NFL. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what kind of special teams he does. But um, yeah, keep an eye on Richie Grant from UCF.
1: I also wanted to mention James Wiggins, uh, safety from Cincinnati, will stay in the secondary. He missed the entire 2019 season, but he's coming back. This guy has good size. He's a very good athlete. And he was injured the entire year last year, but in 2018, he was a playmaker. He made a lot of plays uh, in big-time situations, and and that's why I love Wiggins. T.J. Carter, uh, arguably one of the best corners in this in this conference, I'm not as high on him. He's got speed. He's got pretty good size, but he's too handsy. He's too grabby. I mean, he needs to let go. It gets called for quite a bit in, in pass interference, on pass interference. And, and I think, you know, TJ Carter is definitely going to be at one of those all-star games, whether it's the Senior Bowl or the Shrine game. A couple of more guys at UCF, Aaron Robinson, the, the slot cornerback, and Tay Gowan, uh, outside corner. He was a JUCO transfer last year, has good size and speed. K.J. Sales, he's a USF cornerback who transferred from North Carolina, had a really good year last year. And um, Zaven Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa, I think he's, he's the best linebacker in this conference. He's only a junior, but I, I can see him having another big year and coming out for the 2021 nfl draft and i want to end it on a high note because i think this guy is one of the better running backs in the nation his name is kenneth gainwell since you talked about memphis you talked them up you mentioned brady White, but kenneth gainwell the redshirt sophomore running back and he is eligible for the 2021 nfl draft uh, he's just—he's elusive in the open field. He's got good speed. He's a very good athlete. He makes people miss. I mean, they put him in the wildcat as a wildcat quarterback. They can put him in the slot. They put him an outside receiver. He's arguably their best receiver when they put him out on the, on the outside. He's got really—he's a natural. He—he's got those natural hands. He catches those back shoulder throws. Gainville Gainwell is a very versatile running back who can do a lot of different things needs to get better in pass protection and I think that's something that's going to come along but as far as being a runner and a receiver this guy is as good as it gets and he gained over 1500 yards last year so Gainwell deserves to be mentioned with the top running backs in next year's draft because he's just that good the only thing is not many people have caught on because he plays at Memphis but I want to remind folks, Daryl Henderson was drafted by the Rams very high on day two. And obviously, you know, last year we had another guy. What's his name? Uh, he was at the senior bowl, right? The wide receiver slash running back. He went to the Washington Redskins oh, in the Antonio beginning of the Gibson. third round. Antonio Gibson. That that was another guy, another weapon. So keep an eye on Gainwell because they will feature him. And, if Memphis wins this division, like Ed says, Gainwell is gonna be the, the main the main guy that that's gonna uh, carry the offense and, and carry the team. So that that puts a wrap, wrap on the AAC conference. We we gave you an overview of the two conferences, and we'll be back next week to to cover the what is it, the Big 12 and the Conference USA. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Take care.